Good evening, everyone. Uh, this is our Sunday evening service. We're pre-recording this, so I wanted to kind of give an update of, uh, I guess, some of the changes here going on here at Broadway. Obviously, these are unusual and unprecedented times, but um, we still trust and hope in the Lord. Uh, we will be pre-recording our Sunday evening as well as our Wednesday evening services. Our one live service will be on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Now, when I say live, that means internet only. Our governor, as you know, has told churches that they cannot have, uh, cannot gather. So uh, I want to encourage you at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings to gather you around your family there at the living room at the TV and have a time of uh, worship, have a time of bringing your Bible, have a time of uh, preparation and, and um, connecting even with others, even if it's online, uh, during a uh, weekly experience. But use this time of, I guess, being at home, uh, being uh, somewhat in isolation, as a time of spiritual growth. You know, I live very close to Shillitoe Park, and I was actually there yesterday walking the dog, and it was packed. I mean, everybody is out at the park right now. It's, I guess folks are getting cabin fever saying, well, you know, it's 70 degrees. I'm getting out of here. But um, I also want to encourage you. Our church is still, even though we might not be functioning in person, we, the ministerial staff, as well as the administrative staff, we are certainly still working. In many ways, I feel I've become an internet preacher, as well as the uh, everybody else has too, as well as they've kind of become uh, tech folks. But your giving is still needed during this time. I will post a link here of how you can give online. You know, we, uh, you can still mail in your offering. You can give online. We do text to give. I'm going to include all that information right there in the links here. So you can certainly still be in the know of how to uh, certainly give. I believe we will emerge as this stronger as a church family. I believe it could actually bring us closer together. This is our opportunity to step up and certainly uh, minister to one another during this time. You know, there's no better time to be intentional and pick up the phone and call someone, to send them an email or a text and just say, hey, just checking on you, seeing how you're doing. So I certainly do want to encourage you to do that. If you have children or grandchildren, uh, they can, instead of watching Netflix, encourage them, turn it off for an hour and say, okay, it's now Bible time. Let, just let them start reading through the New Testament. I mean, they could start reading a chapter or two a day. And so you're going to start reading your Bible. You could spend more time with the Lord with this extra free time than ever before. And I encourage you to certainly do that. We will still uh, be recording these services as our normal time of uh, these pre-recorded on, on Sunday nights as well as Wednesday nights. So you be aware, share this online on Facebook, on social media, and encourage other people to participate. Obviously, it will be a little bit different, but the Word of God still speaks to us even if it, it, we're not in person. We can certainly, you know, attending church on YouTube obviously isn't the same, but God's word can still speak to us and change our hearts. So we are going through on Sunday nights, we are in a sermon series. If you're now just joining us, we are going through the book of Acts. 
So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 16, verse 11. And then in a little bit, we are going to turn to uh, Philippians chapter 1. So what I was going to plan on doing, I'm going to uh, go through this passage here, looking at Paul's second missionary journey. And I've got a map here on the screen I'm going to show you. We're going to read the four different sections of it. And then the way we'll conclude is, is I want to encourage you, while you're watching this online, do, uh, if you want to get in touch, if maybe if you're a guest watching, uh, send a message to the church Facebook page. We will reply. We'll get back in touch with you. And you can even um, uh, give your life to Christ. We can certainly give you instructions on how to do that. Over online to uh, give your life and commit, make that commitment to the Lord. But I will close this message by praying for you and your family, as well as our church family, as well as our nation, as well as God to use this unusual, unprecedented time to bring about great revival during this coronavirus. Uh, I want you to know that Sherry and I and our church, we are praying for you um, even though we might not physically see each other, we are, uh, we are here at the church in the office praying for you as well as at home. So turn in your Bible, Acts chapter 16. We're going to take a look at this. Exciting times here to certainly look here of what's going on. What's going on is Paul is with Silas and they are crossing. I'm going to look at this map real quick. We wrapped up with the gospel call from going, from leaving, this is what we call current day Turkey, from leaving Turkey and going over to Europe. So the gospel in this passage we're looking at tonight is about to go to Europe. And you know, Europe is certainly in the news because right now, because obviously just like the United States, Italy, Spain, they're being just hit hard by the coronavirus. But do you know what we're about to see is... Paul has received this vision of a Macedonian man calling them to cross the Aegean Sea right here and go into Philippi, which is in Macedonia. And Paul is going to plant the first church in Europe. If you've ever wondered, you know, this is how the gospel went west. In many ways, this is how we our believers here is America because of this Macedonian call, Troas, to leave. Paul came over here with Silas, and we're about to see the very first church. And some amazing things happen that occur right here in Philippi. So, all right, so we're going to see here. Acts chapter 16, verse 11. From Troas, so, so here's, here's Troas. There it was on the map. So we're going from Troas to Samothrace to Neapolis, which is right here on the coast, and then we're going to land in Philippi. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, a Roman colony and a leading city of the district of Macedonia. So now we are in Europe. We stayed in that city for several days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate by the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women gathered there, a God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in pur purple cloth from the city of Thyatira. Remember, Thyatira, that is over there in Turkey. So she was probably in a, a, being obviously a dealer in purple cloth. 
she was probably wealthy, Lydia was, and uh, she obviously came over there to Macedonia with her business. She was there listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. After she, look at this, after she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. What happened right here is God brought Paul into this, uh, into this area with not even, not even, they did not have Christians and churches. They didn't even have enough folks for a synagogue. The Jews believed that in order for a synagogue to exist, there had to be ten men. So what would happen is, apparently in Philippi, let's look at our map here. So the farther we're getting away from Jerusalem, remember, Jerusalem, it's way down here. And here we are, all the way here in Europe, in Philippi, and there's not very many Jews. So there's not even ten men there. So they didn't have a synagogue. Paul's customary practice is he would take the gospel by going to the synagogue. So what do you do if there's not a synagogue? Well, there were some what they call God-fearing women there in the city. And typically in, the, in, um, in Bible times, the synagogues were built near rivers, near a stream. You say, why, Daniel? Why were they, when, when were they built that way? Because Jews had ceremonial washing and cleansing. So you would build your synagogue next to the, uh, very close by to a river. So, I mean, that's why in cities like Capernaum, near, there, there, Sea of Galilee, there was a synagogue. Um, I mean, uh, Bethsaida, there's synagogue. I mean, all of these uh, villages that Jesus was preaching and uh, teaching his ministry, the, the synagogue was, they were, they were always near water for that purpose. So if Paul wanted to find a audience, he would go to a place where they would pray, and obviously it's going to be down near the river. So while he goes there, there's some women there. That's his audience. God has brought these women there. It says they were God-fearing women, including Lydia. And Lydia was described as a dealer in purple cloth. Obviously, she probably was a wealthy lady, and she there was uh, money there in Philippi. It was a Roman colony. So she wanted to, she had brought her business over from Thyatira, which is one of the churches mentioned in Revelation. And she's doing her, her uh, business there and that. And what we're going to see in this passage today is three people are going to be converted in Philippi. I have it up here on the screen. Here are the three people we're about to see who becomes. Number one, Lydia. And this is going to start, listen, this is why this is important. This is going to start the first church in Europe. And this is who's going to be made up of. Lydia, a wealthy lady, a slave girl who's delivered from the demonic. And then thirdly, a jailer who goes from being suicidal to all of a sudden trusting in Christ as his savior. So how exciting are these three unusual people, unlikely people in Europe, trusted and gave their lives to Jesus. So amidst this crisis that we're in here, just unusual times, 
the gospel certainly advanced, even to people you don't, you maybe not, uh, maybe you wouldn't expect to come in contact with. So with that, you know, I think about uh, that rule of 10 men. You know, when we went to Israel a year ago on the airplane flying in the Tel Aviv, Jewish men would gather and there would have to be at least 10 of them. So 10 of the men had a certain time they would meet in the back of the plane and pray together. And they would say their prayers because, and they even told me, I went back there and talked to a couple of them. Plus, our seats were the cheap seats, so we were sitting in the back of the plane anyway. So they were all right there congregating. I asked a couple of them what was going on, and they said that they had to have at least 10 men, and they were having their time of prayer. So that's where we see this here, why there was no synagogue um, with that. But um, what's about to happen is God is doing the supernatural to open Lydia's heart. And she, along with her whole household, gets saved. Do you know the supernatural you know, absolutely can occur at any moment? I have a quote here I found from CNN. Because you think about what we're going through. And let's see, this quote was from Dr. Nancy Masonier of the Center for Disease Control. I got this off. I went back on CNN.com and found an article. They had, I was reading an article, and they had linked something back from February 21st. Now think about February 21st. February 21st, if you can remember, that was a month ago. I was preaching a sermon series through relationships. We were planning here at the church for D-Now weekend. We were thinking about Kentucky basketball. The stock market was hitting record highs. President Trump was talking about how good our economy was. I was going around telling folks that it doesn't snow. I remember all it did in February was rain every day. It doesn't snow here in Lexington. It's just a rainy, dark and gloomy day. And what, ha what was happening was the CDC, there was this article that came across. And look at this quote. And they're talking about the coronavirus. And at this point, there was only 35 people in the United States with coronavirus. But they were up in California, Washington State, I think one or two in New York State. They weren't around here in Kentucky a month ago. This wasn't even on the radar. But look what this woman said. This new virus represents a tremendous public threat. We are now taking and will continue to take unprecedented aggressive action to reduce the impact of this virus on the communities and the U.S. That was one month ago. If you and I, if I would have told you a month ago that if we could fast forward to March 22nd, one month and one day, that we wouldn't even be meeting in person. The whole country would be shut down. Record unemployment. Can't even be within six feet of folks. You would have looked at me like I had lost my mind. I was crazy. But what we're seeing is very 
unlikely, unprecedented things have happened here in the U.S. I have never in my life become an internet preacher. We've never had to go, I guess, internet only as a church, and probably you haven't either. But you know, there's some parts of the world that this is what they're accustomed to. Obviously, here in the U.S., we're not. And I share this because what is happening here in Europe with Paul going there is unprecedented. The gospel is about, all of a sudden, Lydia is the first person in Europe to get saved. She is a, becomes a born-again believer, along with her whole household. Her family got saved and baptized as well. Unprecedented. I bet if you would have gone back in that time, this is occurring in 50 AD, and told folks that lived in Philippi, says, y'all don't know this, but soon a church is going to be born here, and Philippi will have a flourishing Christian community. And the, we'll have the book of Philippians from it. Back then they would have looked at you and said, there's no way. There's not even a single Christian even here. That's what it would have been like if you would have told us a month ago that everything, life as we know it here in the U.S., no school, no college, no work, it's just everything is about to change. And what happens amidst this change is when the gospel begins to flourish. And our challenge for us tonight, as we look at this scripture and we see the example of Lydia, we need to stop and say, God opened her heart during this unusual time. He brought this man named Paul all of a sudden down to the river. And he shared the gospel and she gave her life to Christ. And there was water right there for her to get baptized. And they did it. There's no reason for that for us to be looking for great revival to occur. How exciting would it be whenever we're able to begin meeting again as a congregation, as a church family, to be able to gather people together and say, hey, look, all these folks have become believers and trusted in Christ during these, uh, I guess, internet church period, uh, unusual times. Keep going here in your Bible. Look what happens. After Lydia is saved, the next person, a slave girl, she's going to get saved. <clears throat> Once again, verse 16, as we are on our way to prayer, slave girl met us. And, you know, it uses the word we. This section we look at, Bible, Bible commentators believe that this is when Luke actually joined in. Dr. Luke, who wrote Acts of the Apostles, joined in Paul and Silas on this missionary journey. And most likely we're going to see he stayed here in Philippi. So the word we is including Luke. As we're on our way to prayer, slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune telling. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. And she did this for many days. So she has a spirit that's just crying out in many ways, annoying way. Paul is greatly annoyed, turning to the Spirit. He said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. 
and it came out right away. When her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, These men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs. They are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrates stripped them of their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. So here's Paul and Silas. They're getting beaten now. After they had been severely flogged, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them in the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. Paul's preaching, and this demon-possessed girl has an evil spirit. It's a spirit of annoyance. And she's traveling around, and it literally says that she's going around saying, These men are claiming you the way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. Now, what's unusual about that? What she said is actually right. It's accurate. But she was doing it in a way that wasn't leading people to the message of Paul and Sidus. It was repelling them. It was annoying. And I think that's important for us as Bible communicators. As we, when we share and present the gospel, we want to be, do it in a way that certainly invites people in. I want to encourage you you use every avenue possible in a, a positive way of encouraging folks to get saved, to give their lives to Jesus, to turn and repent and believe. But here we see this, um, this, uh, this evil spirit doing the exact opposite. What's interesting in the Gospels, every time a demon spoke to Jesus, what the demon says was actually accurate. But Jesus rebuked the demon because the demon was either annoying or was revealing Jesus's messianic truth before he wanted everybody to know who he was. And I thought that's very interesting. Demons, they actually do speak the truth because they knew, hey, Paul, Silas, what they're saying is true. But by delivering this young woman, she was a fortune teller. She was able to tell the future. That means she had, she had powers from the devil. The owners lost their income. Think about the folks right now that have lost their income. The unemployment. I saw here in Kentucky, there's record unemployment here. Or unemployment claims, at least. You know, these are tough times all of a sudden. Just within, just literally a snap of the finger. And now we certainly see that when people lose their income, obviously these men, they've lost it from this, their fee, this lady. They won't, um, uh, they, they, wanna, uh, they want Paul and Silas to be thrown in jail. Paul and Silas are Roman citizens. They do not get a fair trial. They get accused of being Jews. They get beaten by rods and they're locked up. And I think the principle for us is when we are being bold about our faith and we're even seeing deliverance and people being saved, not everybody is excited about people coming to Christ. These men 
they did not receive a fair hearing. And we might not receive a fair hearing. You know, during this time, churches, some folks say churches aren't getting a fair hearing. They're being ordered to shut down. They go to internet only. You know, I'm glad our church is able to do that, but there's a, many that they, unfortunately, they maybe aren't having services at all. Keep going here in your Bible. Look here. Look at the next person. So first we see here Lydia. Second, we've seen the slave girl. She's now given her life to Christ. Thirdly, we're going to see the Philippian jailer. And this is going to really let us know how we can come to know Jesus. Verse 25. Look up here on the screen. About midnight, so Paul and Silas are in jail. They're praying and they're singing hymns to God and prisoners were listening to them. If you were in the Fayette County Detention Center, would you be singing praises to God? Would you be rejoicing? That's what they were doing. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. Verse 27. When the jailer woke up and saw that the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. You know why he was going to do that? The jailer realized, hey, if, if I can't account for the prisoners and they escape, uh, they're either going to kill me or I will serve their sentence. Verse 28 goes on to say, But Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself because we're all here. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. He couldn't believe it. They didn't leave. Goes on to say, verse 30, he escorted them out and said, Sirs, look at this. What must I do to be saved? Sirs. He recognized they could have left. These righteous people did not leave. He says, I want to be saved. That's a question I believe a lot of folks are asking us today. Amidst this uncertainty, these anxious times, Sirs, Broadway, how can I be saved? Look at the response. Well, actually, look at this. Go back to that there. The question of verse 30. What people are asking amidst the coronavirus crisis, what must I do to be saved? Paul doesn't say you might be saved. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. He's directly pointing people to faith in Jesus Christ. And that is our salvation. In verse 30 here, 31, it says, and very clear, and this is, a, this is an answer we need to be prepared to give. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. So the gospel doesn't just go to us. We're expected to go home to our families and tell people that we're saved. You invite people right now to come watch this sermon, to participate in worship, to digitally invite people. They want to know. And look what, uh, look what happens. Verse 32. Look what he does. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. Verse 33. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. So he's caring for Paul and Silas. Remember, they had been severely beaten. 
right away, he and all his family were baptized. They got saved and baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. So there's our third person. Lydia, her and her household were saved and baptized. The slave girl, she was delivered. And now the Philippian jailer and his whole household, they were also saved and baptized. When you trust in Jesus as your Savior, your next step is believer's baptism. And we see that right there. The question, what must I do to be saved, is we need to be prepared to point to people to believe in Jesus. We need to direct people to the Lord. And what's happening here is the first European church is being formed. Look here, last scripture passage. This is going to conclude chapter, pull out your Bible. Acts chapter 16, verse 35. Now they're going to get released from, from prison. When daylight came, the chief magistrates sent the police to say, release those men. The jailer reported these words to Paul. The magistrates have sent orders for you to be released. So come out now and go in peace. And now there's, we don't know why all of a sudden the magistrates woke up in the morning and say it's time to get out of jail. We don't know if that's because of the earthquake or God spoke to them or not. Who knows? But they said, we got to get rid of the men. They're not even locked up. The, the bars, the doors came open. But Paul said to them, they beat us in the public without a trial, although we are Roman citizens and threw us in jail. And now they're going to send us away secretly? Certainly not. On the contrary, let them come themselves and escort us out. And there's a reason Paul's doing this. The police reported these words to the magistrates. They were afraid when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to appease them, and escorting them for prison, they urged them to leave town. After leaving the jail, look at this, they came to Lydia's house, where they saw and encouraged the brothers and sisters and departed. I want to tell you why Paul did this. He reminded the magistrates and the police that he was a Roman citizen because he knew all of a sudden now there's a small church. Several families have gotten saved and baptized. Lydia's house is serving as a home base. And there's now the brothers and sisters are now starting to meet there at Lydia's house. And they're starting to have worship services. And likely Luke, this ended the we section. So Luke possibly stayed with them. Dr. Luke... And he's discipling, he's teaching them the scriptures. And I think what we see from this passage, the principle about this, is Paul wanted to give them credibility in saying, hey, I'm a, I'm a Roman citizen, I did not get due process. It was not appropriate what you did. Look at this quote up here. Before the journey to Philippi, there were no Christians. No Christians. This is in Europe. This is in Macedonia. You can go to the ruins of this church today. Now there's a small church. We just read and witnessed the birth of this church. Amidst this coronavirus, what is God going to do? How is he going to do something new in this time of uncertainty? We have great hope in the gospel. 
This is our opportunity to experience incredible spiritual growth. I'm going to leave uh, on this, uh, conclude on this final verses here out of the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Look at this up here on the screen. It's chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Now remember, Paul is in prison, and he's writing a letter. It's one of the prison epistles to this church here in Philippi. And this church, it is the church that he started, that he was arrested, that he knew of Lydia, the slave girl, and the Philippian jailer and their families were now new believers. Many years later, look what he wrote. I give thanks to you, my God, for every remembrance of you. Always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. Do you know why he said the very first day? He was there. He remembered that very first time he went down to the river. And there is Lydia, a, a lady, a wealthy lady in purple cloth, supported that church. God has blessed you and I to support the church. During these unusual times, we support the church. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What a great way to end this message. What God has started in your life, he does not quit. Even though we're not physically here, and you're watching this at home, in your living room, and in your bedroom, wherever, with your friends and family, in the car, he started something. He continues it. The gospel, the good news, it continues on. What a blessing. I'm going to end in a prayer. I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now. This, this evening service. And I'm going to pray for God to continue what he started. I'm going to pray for God to put people in your path. Might not be physically, it might be digitally as well as uh, maybe if you're in a walk and you're standing 10 feet away, that you get an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Go pray for you, as you're doing a schooling online, college online, for this time, that you experience incredible growth, spiritual growth. Use this time for spiritual renewal. Examine your priorities. When you get, when we, whenever we come back meeting together, say, God, what are my spiritual gifts? How do you want me to be used? I want you to bow your heads and pray. In fact, I want you to even put your hand towards the TV or towards the, the phone. Put your hands out. Allow God to touch you during this time. Jesus, I pray for those who are listening to this. I pray for your touch and your presence. Lord, we need you more now than ever. Lord, I pray for your spirit to move. I pray we look for new gospel opportunities as we're in unique, unprecedented days. A new way to do church. God, we know what you started. You do not end. Jesus, I pray that this will be an incredible 
time for re-examination for what is most important. Pray that nobody we know gets the coronavirus. I pray this ends sooner than expected. I pray for our brothers and sisters in Europe right now who are in Macedonia, who are in Italy and Spain and France, and they're suffering greatly. They're in total lockdown in those two countries. The first, as the gospel goes to Europe, as we just saw, now they're dealing with a time they can't meet. Lord, we know that you brought us through many different difficult times throughout church history, and you will bring us through this. Jesus, I pray for your special touch and your presence. Lord, I pray that you work miracles. And Lord, we answer that question, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight, I invite you to believe in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.